Well, we had a full Sunday of uh, worship and remembrance, so it's great to hear how uh, Christ has not only brought a young life to Him, but also sustained that life through the challenges of life. The morning's message is entitled, Are You Fully Protected? And I think we think about that in a variety of different ways, that sometimes if we are going on a journey, uh, some of you have have had certain vacations and they offer you a, tr- a trip protection where they, they say you can take out insurance in case you have to cancel at the last money, you can get your money back. And you say, well, should I protect myself in case I get sick at the last moment? Uh, we all have to make those insurance decisions related to our vehicles or our places of residencies or, or maybe uh, related to life insurance. And we're, we're just making sure that we're protected, but not only that we're protected, but our family or our loved ones are protected as well. And this morning we're going to be talking about that, and we, uh, I'm not really sure how we're going to talk about it because we really don't have all the time I wanted to talk about it, but that was true in the first service as well as the second, so uh, that's no problem. Uh, it's just a challenge. Uh, but as you think about life, life is filled with uh, challenges, but it's also filled with joy as well. As we got back from um, the, that long trip to Mexico in, in one day uh, yesterday evening, I had to go to my office real quickly before I went home, and on my desk was my very first um, card from my 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 grandchild. Okay, did I tell you I was my grandpa? Have I told you that yet? Okay, and so here it is, and it it, it really is in her own. Um, I, I mistakenly said "paw" in the first service. Her own hand. Her hand is traced here, right? And Lori, her mother, I'm sure had to help her with the writing. He says, "Hi, Grandpa." I love you. Have a great day. Hearts, Hannah. Now, uh, Alice, um, who didn't see it because she didn't come to the office, uh, she, had, she had one in her, on her desk as well. But I just want to let you know, I'm not competitive, but mine's much better than hers. Okay, mine looks so much better. You know, um, we all like to have uh, people in our lives that, that show you know, care to us and uh, are attentive to uh, just express that in various ways. And, and just like we've all heard that phrase, hurt people do what? hurt people. And, and as we think about it, uh, there's, there's that, in a sense, that negative side or the consequences of negative experiences. But it can also be true of positive experiences as well, isn't it? Loved people love people. As you think about the message of Ephesians and really the section we're going to be looking at and kind of finishing off, we kind of started it last week, is we think about people who have been touched by God. Um, can touch other people with God. Or, or put it in a, in a more familiar phrase, you know, blessed people can be a blessing to others. And, and you, could, you could use that with every phrase you want to think about. People who um, are secure can pass on that sense of security to others. Have you noticed that if you're around worried, anxious people, they start to make you what? Worried and anxious. And when you're with people who are just filled with peace, all of a sudden that, that seems to rub off on you. Now, that can be somewhat of a temporary experience, but when, when that's experienced at its deepest level, which is what God gives us, and when we really call back, or if even as we participate in, in the communion, or bring our minds back to what God has done for us, it makes us different people now. And so as Paul is kind of finishing up his letter, and we, you know, we kind of joked about, you know, when a preacher says finally or in conclusion, it means absolutely 
nothing. And as he was, as he was concluding his letter uh, and with that word finally, he, he wanted to say, well, you know, I've been talking about what God has done, and particularly the first three chapters of Ephesians, that's what he does. And, and then I've been telling you what you ought to do in light of what God has done. Now I've got to somehow land this plane, okay, that I've been flying around here in terms of all the heavenly things that God wants me to put down here on earth. But i now got to touch ground. And he says, I've got to leave you with how do, you, how, do you, how do you live this out in a world that is your enemy? And your old life, your, your, the flesh, the, the unredeemed parts of your physical body that can still make you have a propensity to sin. In the midst of seeing an unseen enemy, the, the devil and his demonic world, how, how can you go out there feeling that you're capable? And so what he does is he, he builds a picture for them. And in your outline, I think I also put, uh, you know, as we think about how people, one of the things that's common to all of us this morning, that hopefully there's a number of things common to all of us, but we all came here dressed and hopefully in our right mind, right? We all, we all came dressed, right? You didn't, none of you came here buck naked, right? So all of us, all of us have clothes on, all right? And the reason we do that, not only is, you know, for embarrassing sake, we don't want to be embarrassed, but also clothes protect us, doesn't it? If it was really super cold outside, we'd have more clothes on. And if it's super, super hot, we wouldn't wear the heaviest coat to church. And as he, as he talks about going out in the life, he, in, in many ways, he said, I, I want you to be dressed. And we've heard this sometimes in the media, you know, some people are dressed to kill, you know. Uh, but you could say that some people are dressed to be killed because they're not ready for what comes next. And so that's what he was emphasizing spiritually. Okay, now after I've said all the things, what God has done, what you are to do, I want you to understand that you can, you can win at this battleground of the Christian life. Not the playground, but the battleground of life. And so what he does, he says, I want you to picture what you've seen many, many times. I want you to picture a soldier, a Roman soldier, and what he has on when he is functioning as a soldier. And we are soldiers for Jesus. In fact, in I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Suffer hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Some translations actually say not suffer, but endure hardship. In other words, a soldier should should expect it's not always going to be easy when he is being a soldier. And so you want to be protected. And what he does, he says, I want you to understand every soldier puts on a belt because if you don't put on a belt, you could lose your trousers or your toga could go everywhere. So you got to put a belt on. And, and you could be in a battle where you might want to make sure you got your front part of your body protected like a catcher in a game or an umpire. They always have the chest protector, don't they? Whether it's the big one or that's wrapped up really close. Not only do you need a chest protector, and that was the breastplate, he said, I, you know, I want you to make sure you got your shoes on. Now, if you don't have your shoes on and, and you are in the, you know, the battleground, you might step on a landmine, but not in those cases, not a landmine that would explode, but a landmine in which that what they would do is they would, they would bury sticks in, in the ground and, and look like it was covered with sand, but you would, you'd walk on it and they're hoping to penetrate the foot of a soldier. Or they, they would pick a particular battleground that was rather, um, the, the, the ground was a certain type. If, if you could not dig in, you would not be able to perform. You would not be able to sustain the, the battle that people were coming in that were, that were more uh, strategically equipped. And we all know that athletes... Uh, uh, particularly if you're familiar with uh, some of the major ones. You know, football players usually have cleats on. 
Baseball players have certain kinds of cleats. Even, even golfers have those little things on the bottom of their shoes because they feel they can perform better if they have the, the right type of shoe. And, and then he said, well, you not only need that, but you, you better have something that, that can withstand some of the things that can come from every direction. And so you better have a shield. And, and then you, you better make sure that you are protecting the most important part of your body, which is a helmet. And then he says, well, okay, these are all protective parts of your armor. You better have something to go to battle with. You can't be all defensive. You better have some offensive part to you. So you better have a sword with you. So he uses those pictures, and he says, but I want to identify what those weapons are and those protective things you got on are. And, and so in many ways, he kind of gives them six words to remember. I'm changing one or two of them, um, actually only one. Um, to give you the main sense because he says it and then he defines it. The piece of the armor, he said, I want you to have the belt of truth. So, we, so if we think about being armored for God or protected by God, we've we, we got to be people of the truth. And he said, I want you to put a breastplate, but the breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness. So we, we better not, not only be people of truth, but we better be people committed to righteousness or know what righteousness is all about. And then he says, okay, not only that, but I, I want you in your shoes that you put on, I want them to be the the shoes of the gospel of peace. So we ought to have truth, we ought to have righteousness, we ought to have peace. And then he says, okay, uh, make sure that you have in that shield, the shield of faith, and then the helmet of salvation, and then I, what I would say is scripture. The sword of the Spirit is scripture or the word of God. Now, I know some of you, if you weren't taking notes, I need to understand that's going to be on the test. You're going to have to give me those six words back. Uh, but if you only have one, have one word on the test, earlier Paul said in Romans 13, 14, just put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that will protect you and give you the ability to be on the offense as well. If you have the Lord Jesus, you're secure, and now you can help other people get secure because you have Jesus. And, and here's where I'm going to basically tell you the message without going through every passage. You can, look those, you can read those verses later. Is that... As he says that, he, he wants them to understand, okay, well, okay, how are, those, how are those specific things to work? Well, there are theologians or Bible teachers who will go from A to Z in terms of, well, only means this or only means that. And I want to say it kind of means all of that, all right? When, when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, basically what you're remembering is that Jesus is all those things. Now, Jesus is the truth, right? He's the way, the truth, and life. He is the truth. He's truth personified. Now, Jesus is the righteous one. He is righteousness personified. Okay, He is not only the one that we trust in, but he is, he is the object of your faith, right? Your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. You know, if I were to tell you one of these chairs, I unscrewed the legs a little bit, and one of you are going to fall down before the service is over because that chair you sat in is not sufficient to keep up your weight, all that faith, that trust, that confidence you had that your chair was going to uphold you would be a false faith because it... It is trusting in something not sufficient, right? And, and so we need to think of, of all these words as if Jesus personified. He is not only the one we trust in, but he, is the, he, is the, he personifies our, the object of faith. Does that make sense? If not, I'm going to start all over again, right? So we're put on, this, is, this is putting on Jesus. He is truth. He is righteousness. He is the object of our faith. But, but not only that, he is, uh, and I kind of skipped one, he is peace. Isn't that true? I mean, if you've ever celebrated Christmas, you know that's true, because you've heard this verse many, many times at Christmas. I mean, the Christian Christmas, not this Christmas, you know, out there. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says that 
Unto us a child is born and a son is given, and the government rests upon his shoulders. Have you heard that verse before? Shake your head like, you know, I was awake in church at least one Christmas, all right? Okay. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government rests upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful God, I mean, a Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, you're so good. All right, you got that right, right? He's the Prince of Peace. He's peace personified. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have full peace. Um, and, and so all those fit. He is the object of our salvation. I mean, he is, he is the one who rescues us. So he is salvation. Now, Luke chapter 2, 30 kind of talks about that. He said he is, the, he is salvation. You can see that salvation. And, of course, he is Scripture. Right? I'm trying to think how I preached the first service. It was completely different than this one. But he is the living word, isn't it? Isn't that true? John 1, 1, it's not in your, in your outline. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not only do we have the written Word, if we know Jesus, we have the living Word. So when we put on all these pieces of the armor, it's just simply putting on the Lord Jesus. And when you think about going into a battle, maybe some of you have experienced this. I've, I've experienced this in a couple occasions where, where I, I was... Uh, well, I don't have time to go through the whole illustration, but, you know, I've been times where, you know, I thought I was a little bit stronger and tougher and bigger than I was, and then all of a sudden the person I was kind of ch- choosing off, uh, I began to realize, I don't think I can take this guy, all right? And, and then it was so uncomfortable because that guy next to me was my friend who was bigger than the person I was kind of giving a bad time to, talking trash when I shouldn't have been talking trash. And, and can you, can, wouldn't you have a whole lot of confidence going to any challenge if you know Jesus is right next to you? And so that, that's the protective thing. Man, Jesus is right here. I don't have to be afraid of anything because he's right here. That's, that's putting on the armor of God as simply as possible. Put on the Lord Jesus. Now, the, the specifics are, are helpful. And that's why, uh, though this book is all about Jesus, there's a lot more words than just Jesus in this book because we need more information to really live this out in a practical way. And, and so he gives these other individual uh, pieces of the armor, not only to personify Jesus, and the part I'm not going to go through in any detail is that he is also the giver of these things. He gives us these things as well as personifies it. And that's the positional part of it. This is what God has done for us. Okay? He has made us righteous. You know, often I'll quote that in, uh, at this table. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the what? Righteousness of God in him. God gives us his righteousness. Romans chapter 4 talks about being imputed with God's righteousness. So this is a gift for us. Jesus not only personifies truth, but he, he makes us people of the truth. He makes us righteous in his eyes. He gives us peace. Isn't that true? Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. I, I give you my peace. So he personifies peace and he gives peace. He personifies righteousness and he gives righteousness. He is the living word and he gives us the written word. Are, are you catching my flow here? Keep, keep shaking your head, but encourage me, all right? So, so that's the positional part that I'm not, I'm not going through the outline, you know, point by point by point. I'm just kind of giving it to you, all right? So he personifies it. He gives it. But then he wants us to live it. Okay? And this was what makes our faith genuine. If, if, I, if I believe I'm righteous in God's eyes, but don't live a righteous life, then, then when I begin to evaluate my relationship with God and I, and I look back and all I do is I see a history 
of disobedience before God. And when the enemy of our soul comes to attack us, how secure am I going to be in my relationship with God? I, I will be filled with doubt because I won't see any fruit of my relationship with Him. Now, we, we will all fail at times in our walk with God, uh, often. But if that isn't the direction and pursuit of our life, that we're going to question, is that really my life? It, it's the idea of being genuine and, and ability to be transparent, to, to be the real deal. And, and so he says, you, you, you must know this can be true about you because I'll give this to you. And you have the one who is this. But now you need to live it out. So that it becomes true not only in what you understand about God, but in your experience. Does that make sense? Okay. It's, take, take, well, we'll look at it in a second. But you know, it's one thing for Jesus to be the Prince of Peace and me experience peace, right? All right, so just real quickly. Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth. All right. In John 1.14 says he is full of grace and truth. And he gives us his truth. And now he says, now I want you to tell the truth. And so as we look at these armors, as we go out each day, I'm, I'm committed to, to be identified with truth. But now as I live, I, I want people to be able to trust me because what I say has got to be accurate. What I say has to, has to be my best understanding of what is really real. I, I, I need to be a trustworthy person because Jesus always can be trusted. And I want as his child, to be that kind of person. Speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. We talked about a little about that last week. Then, then he says, you know, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus is righteous, now he wants me because I've now escaped the, the walk of darkness. I'm now in light, and if I'm in the light, I'm going to be a righteous person. I'm going to do that which is right rather than that which is wrong. And, and so now when I'm tempted to say, well, couldn't I just kind of do, No. Or when God's word is clear and I, I want to... No. I, I am a righteous person, so I need to do right things. Now, we'll mess up at times, but when we recognize and then we run away from that as quickly as possible. You know, and then he said you need to be prepared with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And there's a lot much you could say and as much has been said about, okay, what does that mean or uh, about the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. But I just want to focus on the word peace. You know, preacher types like me will... will often make a distinction between having peace with God and experiencing the peace of God. And if you can't ever remember a preacher saying that, then you were, haven't been listening when I've said that before, okay? But there's a difference. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Now, here's what that little distinction, and there's a couple of verses that talk about that in the past in the outline. When people are at war, when nations are at war and they want to quit fighting, what they do is that they come together and usually on a document they write a what kind of treaty? Peace treaty. You're still with me, at least a few of you are. They write a peace treaty. They say, we're not going to fight anymore. And what we do in getting peace with God, we come to that point in our life that I'm, I'm tired of fighting God. I don't want to be God's enemy anymore. I want this to be over with. And God is saying, I, I provide that way if you put your trust in the the prince of peace. If you'll surrender your life to Jesus and accept what he did on the cross for me, that he rose from the, the dead, and put your full confidence in him and not in yourself, we, we can have a peace treaty that will last forever. We will no longer be at war. That's peace with God. 
when you have peace with God, then you can have the peace of God. You know, Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. Don't, don't be filled with worry. But in everything, come to me in prayer with thanksgiving. And let your requests be made known to me. Talk to me what's on your heart and mind. And then it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when I'm filled with worry, when I'm filled with despair, when I'm just so agitated, I just can't put it together, God says, look it, turn to me, the Prince of Peace, and recognize that what you're so anxious about, I've got that under control as well. And that can be disrupted with the big things and the little things, right? Isn't that true? Whether it be Becky's you know, dad dying at age 33 with a heart attack, where everything got changed. Or, you know, little things like, you know, have you noticed that April 15th is coming pretty soon? And if you've done TurboTax, you know, you put all that stuff in there, you input it, you know. And if you're not careful, you can hit a delete button rather than a save button. If you don't know that can happen, I, I can give witness to that, all right? Had it all done, and I hit a wrong button and lost it all. I was not a happy camper, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, and, and, and how do you get out? You're so agitated. Well, okay, God, you know, where's my peace, you know? Well, it's got to be in him, not in my circumstances. Okay, God, that happened. Got to move on. I'm going to trust you. So whether it's a big thing or a little thing this week, when we get agitated, and when we're agitated, not only are we not, we're not experiencing much <laughs> joy in life, we're a horrible testimony in that period of time. And if you have, need a testimony for that, ask Alice during that particular time. You know, I was not only happy captain inside, but to anybody around me, all right? is that we need to turn to the Prince of Peace. You know, he goes on, you know, and we're not going to go in great detail, but he says, you know, I have that shield of faith, and it wasn't a small shield. It wasn't one of those little ones like Captain America. Have you seen that? Well, it, it was a big, it was a big, you know, two and a half feet by four and a half feet. And it could cover them entirely. In fact, many times they would come in unison, the Roman soldiers, and they'd get behind that shield, and you know, all those arrows were going everywhere, and, and they couldn't get to the soldier because it could cover them. And, and the reason that we can go through anything in life is because we have someone who is the object of our faith. Hebrews 12, 2 says he is the author and finisher of our faith. So faith can be a noun. Jude 3 says content earnestly for the faith, which means it's who you believe in. But it's also how much you're trusting in. And, and so when we're at that point, we have to say, am I trusting God or am I not trusting God? When you do not trust God, the, the challenges of life, the big ones or the little ones will overwhelm you. He says, okay, when you go out there, make sure you go out trusting me. And that can be in things God wants you to do, like Becca this week, where she wasn't sure she wanted to. She said the first, I couldn't sleep for three hours. I only slept three hours as soon as I was thinking about the testimony. But didn't she do a great job? Okay, well, it was because she trusted God to do something at that moment was outside of her comfort zone. And even intellectual, oh, my testimony is not very... Well, no, you have an offer. Everybody's testimony is important. And then he goes in, and he's, he's wrapping this up. He says, okay, I've got to make sure they cover the most important part of their body, which is their head, because that's a fatal wound there. And he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Now, now, to cut through the quick there, basically he is saying, I want you to have assurance. You know, there are people who debate, you know, once saved, always saved, you know, internal, eternal security, whatever it might be. And uh, I'm on one side of that debate. 
And, and let me say, if, if you go through life always doubting whether you're saved, you're, you're not going to be a very, very secure soldier going out in the battlefield knowing you're going to win. That somehow someone can give you a fatal blow and you'll lose what is the most important thing in life to lose. And our salvation is not based on how good we are, but how good who is. How good God is. It's not based on anything other than his sufficient work on the cross for us. So I think there's a place for assurance of salvation. And I have, let me just say, for the case you think I don't know, I have family members on the other side of that whole fence, you know, in terms of believing that. But the Bible to me is extremely clear. He's written these things that we might know that we have eternal life. He who has a son has life. He does not have a son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. You want to have a no-so faith. And then, of course, he clues, and then pick up that sword, which is the Word of God. And the Word of God is what keeps us close to him. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping according to your word. Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. So this, this, this morning, uh, no, this afternoon, this afternoon when we leave this place, God wants us to go out fully protected. He, he, he doesn't want us to, to he, he wants us to, to realize it's not going to be easy. It's going to be awesome. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but, but God protects us. That, that when we're faced with those challenges, uh, those opportunities that we want to resist, but we know God wants us to take, that he says, if you'll just put me on, it'll work. You can be truthful. You can do that, that which is right. Uh, you can be filled with peace in the midst of an unpeaceful environment. You, you, can, you can put confidence, which is what faith is, in a God that's always there. You, you can be assured that he's not going to leave you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Whenever I ask people, what's your favorite promise? That gets so high in the list. Well, if he's never going to leave you or forsake you, then how do you think you're going to lose your salvation? And then finally, the word of God. Whether, you know, some people... You know, if I keep talking, this introduction, this conclusion will go a long time too. But anyway, well, how can I use the Word of God in, in somebody else's life when they don't believe the Word of God? If I didn't believe in a sword, would it cut me if someone struck me with it? Of course it would. A sword's ability to cut has nothing to do with the faith of the person that's cutting, right? The Word of God is powerful whether a person believes it or not. And that's true for you at any moment in time where you're doubting the power of God's word for your life, and it's true when you're using the word of God in somebody else's life. It is powerful in and of itself. And that's true of all the pieces of the army. So the challenge for us this week is, is to go out fully protected to be used of him. Let's pray. Father, I just pray as, as we just reflect uh, simply this morning on on these pieces of the armor, or this piece of armor, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. In some ways, as simple as it is, but also as profound as it is, might it just resonate in our heart and mind in a way that makes a difference. Help us to be, be people that are out there serving you and speaking for you and living for you in a way that people can see that though we're not perfect, we're genuine that we're real, and our faith makes a difference. And we praise in Christ's name. Amen.
as we conclude our time together. Let's stand.